Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 10, titled Safe. Okay, so this is a really, really... Really, really, really big episode of Fringe. It is massive. And I mean that both in terms of how much of a turning point it is for this season and for, quite honestly, the entire show in some ways. As well as how much they manage to stuff inside of this thing. Oh my god. Like... I know I've called episodes of Fringe dense already a couple times, but these make those look like nothing by comparison. These This episode makes that look like padded out runtime by comparison. Like of every episode of Fringe we've covered so far on this podcast, this is by far the most dense. Like, no, no question. Of those ten, like, this is the most densely packed. There's, like, 50 bajillion things that happen in this episode, all of which are very, 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 very important. Now, let's just get right into this, and I'll try to go through this as fast as I possibly can, but I cannot guarantee that this will be a short discussion. I cannot guarantee that this won't be about five hours long, so apologies in advance for taking up your entire day. So we start this episode, and we have Agent Loeb on a heist in this bank, Going through walls. And it's this really cool moment when you see this heist play out. Uh, They have the giant version of that machine they used on the safe. Uh, A couple episodes back, they have a giant version of that. And they're on this rope. And they're going through walls. And they have these suits on. uh, And they get this safe deposit box. They guide it out. One guy gets left behind and is like encased in the wall. And Loeb, just in response, just shoots him in the head. And leaves, like, it's great. It's an amazing opening. It's so, so freaking great. And then, of course, because there's a guy stuck in a wall with a bullet in his head. About as fringe as fringe gets. About as pattern as pattern gets. Uh, So this calls in the fringe division. This calls in uh, our guys. And they sort of go through this scene, apparently this is one in a series of bank robberies that have all happened, uh, similar MOs, like, no signs of forced entry, uh, always, like, a safe deposit box is stolen, all around the Philadelphia area, must not make Bel Air reference, not, must not make Bel Air reference, must not make Bel Air reference, 
I'm, I'm fighting so hard not to say it. I'm fighting so hard. Yeah, West Philadelphia, huh? <laughs> Damn it! I, <laughs> I failed. I failed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, similar things have happened. Now is the only time, though, when it's gotten weird enough to call our guys in. So, we're investigating this. Peter and Walter are getting a saw to cut through this dude's flesh in order to examine his remains. We get this really funny moment at a hardware store. (laughs) Where someone, oh, this poor innocent girl walks up to Walter and is like, Hey, what do you need? And Walter's like, oh, I need a saw with blah, 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 blah. And, and the woman's like, oh, what you cutting through? And Walter's like, oh, human tissue, bone, like, it's sufficing it, muscle, it's, uh, like, it's very difficult, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and this woman just has this look of horror on her face. Walter walks away, and Peter's just like, no need to call the police. Like, it's just, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's rough. It's a, it's a rough moment. But the guy in the wall... Olivia knows this dude. Yeah, that's Raul. We served in the Marines together. Like, uh, I know this guy. I've been to his house. I've met his wife. Ah. And she's so adamant. I know this guy. I know this guy. I know this guy. And then she goes over to the wife's house, talks to the wife for a little bit, tries to reminisce, and realizes these aren't Olivia Dunham's memories. They're John Scott. Yep, the merged consciousnesses of Olivia and John has gotten so bad that now Olivia cannot distinguish her own memories from that of John's. She is remembering what John remembers and thinking it's what she remembers. Like inserting herself in John's place in those memories. So yeah. There's that. Not, not great. Not amazing. Uh, But we find out basically that this dude was uh, depressed, was separated from his wife, was suffering from PTSD, and uh, he and his wife hadn't spoken in a while, so the wife's not much help. By the way, uh, I totally did not write this in my notes because I'm an idiot, uh, but I love the demonstration that Walter gives of how this uh, walking through walls works. Where he just has, like, the toys and the vibrating football table and uh, has, like, the beaker of rice. <laughs> and put, like, the little army man inside and just vibrates the rice so the army guy will uh, sink through, like, what otherwise looks to be a solid object, at least in terms of the army dude. Like, it's actually a pretty good representation. It's actually a pretty good visual for uh, for how this technology works, and it really does kind of make sense. So it's not like, it's not so much walking through the walls so much as it is vibrating the walls so much that it no longer becomes a solid object. Like, you are not... Well, you're violating the laws of physics, but you are not 
becoming like a non-solid object. The wall is sort of vibrating to the point where it no longer becomes a solid object and becomes like much more malleable. Like it, it kind of makes sense actually. Anyway, it's a fun moment. Also, uh, apparently use of this machine gives you radiation poisoning, so there's that. And then there's this sequence at the bar that I adore. I love this moment where Olivia takes Peter to this bar uh, where a dude's friend from high school is and, like, chats the dude up. They go in his brother and sister, which Peter is not happy with. <laughs> like, really? You can't come up with a better cover? Really? Uh, and they... Drink a bunch and talk about Raul and Olivia con some information out of this guy. Peter and Olivia do card tricks. It's really, really great. And basically, we learn two things here. One, this guy went to the VA. This guy uh, was a patient at the VA. Fairly long term. So we need to find the VA that this dude worked in. Or, not worked in. This guy... Was being treated at. And B. uh, When Olivia regurgitates the numbers of the safe deposit box. When they're effing around with cards and all that. Peter makes a connection that these are numbers that Walter himself has been reciting to lull himself to sleep at night. And so Peter goes back to Walter and is like, hey, what are those numbers? What are those numbers? What are those numbers? And Walter's like, oh, it's the Fibonacci sequence. You know the Fibonacci sequence, Peter. And when Peter explains that those are the exact numbers of the safe deposit box, Walter makes a connection in his brain and is like, oh, no. The safe deposit boxes were mine. So not only are they stealing... Safe deposit boxes by walking through walls. They're stealing safe deposit boxes by walking through walls from Walter. Whatever this technology is, Walter Bishop is directly responsible for it. Whatever this is, Walter Bishop is directly responsible for it. And I I love the entire plot line that comes from this, where Walter Walter knows he wanted to hide something. He knows that at the time he was super, super paranoid, so he didn't tell anyone where it was, didn't use his usual hiding places and all of that. He, he knew all of this. He understood all of this. But he didn't know what he was hiding, where he hid, any remaining safe deposit boxes... If there are any more safe deposit boxes, he knows nothing. And he doesn't know why he hid them. Like, he he doesn't know any of this. He just knows he was super paranoid at the time and was like, I must hide this in pieces, in various safe deposit boxes, in various banks, and not tell anyone. That's all he was able to say for certain. But we eventually get to the VA. Olivia eventually finds the VA that this dude was in, in Washington, D.C. And she goes in, she talks to a doctor that's not very helpful, and is like, "Eh, doctor-patient confidentiality, blah, 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 stupid morals. 
And then an orderly shows up and is like, hey, uh, so this guy, he played chess with three other people a lot. They called themselves the Chess Club. Uh, and they were very, very close. So the running theory is these are the people who recruited him to be part of this gang. And through that, we're able to like learn their names, track them down, and we learn that they all got on a plane to Providence, Rhode Island. And landed not that long ago. And Walter doesn't remember if he hit a safe deposit box in Providence. Doesn't doesn't remember if he hit anything in a safe deposit box in Providence. And then Peter does this really clever trick of going, Hey, Walter, if you were going to hide something in a safe deposit box, what bank would you use in Providence? And Walter is able to like, Oh, I would do this bank. It's the only one with safe deposit boxes. And Walter immediately catches on and is like, Oh, clever. And Peter's like, Okay, it's this bank. We go there. And we literally just missed them. They were just in the vault. They just got the safe deposit box. But we learned that they escaped through sewer. And we're able to get out, track them down, and we're actually able to get to their van just as they're pulling away. And there's literally one guy being left behind because the van's driving away and he's running to catch up with the van. As Olivia and Charlie and everyone else are trying to catch up with him, they're able to shoot this guy in the leg and capture him. So, he's down, he's in custody, and I freaking adore this interrogation sequence. This interrogation sequence is a thing of beauty. Olivia does her thing. She does uh, her little FBI scenario. And then Peter notices this dude's hands are shaking a lot. To the point where it can't possibly be stressed. Like, it looks physiological. So Peter makes a bet and is like, hey, Charlie. Tell Olivia to come out and let me have a crack at it. I have an idea. And so Olivia and Peter swap out, and Peter goes in and is like, hey. And he puts on his little charm, his little brutal charm, and is like, I want to see your hands. Let me tell you if any of this is familiar to you. Your hands have been shaking. You vomited at least twice in the last ten hours. This morning you found hair on your pillow because it's all falling out. Yeah, these are symptoms of radiation sickness. Uh, right now you're in the walking ghost phase, which enjoy that, because in a couple days it's gonna get real bad, like intestinal bleeding, and it's just gonna be awful. It's just gonna be the worst. So, here's what's gonna happen. You are going to tell me everything I want to know, or I'm gonna go back behind that glass and watch you bleed out, and watch you die slowly and painfully. Pick one. And then this dude, like, sings like a canary. He's like, okay, look, 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 look. We don't know what he wants. We don't know what's in the safe deposit boxes. He didn't tell us anything. He didn't even tell us his name. It's Loeb. We didn't, he didn't even say anything. Uh, We're just contractors. We're not part of any of this. We're just doing a job. Uh, But all I know is that he's going to a field in such and such place. I can't remember the name of the town. 
And that's all the information that we can give. It's at this moment that I want to bring up a couple of subplots that happen throughout this episode. Remember David Robert Jones? The guy in prison in Germany? Well, his lawyer is popping in and out of his cell, and David Robert Jones keeps having some strange requests. The first time he, the lawyer shows up, he writes out a list of items to bring on his next visit. Uh, Dramamine, suntan lotion, uh, eye drops, etc. A watch. And he says, hey, uh, what size suit are you? Uh, here's... Here's an address of my personal tailor. Go there and uh, get a suit from him. And the the stuff gets brought to him, but he doesn't go and get his suit. He's like, I like this suit. It's lucky. And David Robert Jones is like, Oh, I respect that. I'm a I'm a Brit. I'm a I'm a scummy uh, kind of. Whatever, but I'm still 12 steps ahead of you and absolutely terrifying because I'm a Brit. Why are Brits so terrifying? No one knows. But the Brits are extremely terrifying. This is a thing we know for sure. (laughs) I love that this podcast has just launched a completely unnecessary war with the UK simply on the backs of one of the show's villains happens to be British. I love that that's a thing now. (laughs) The Brits strike again. (laughs) Damn you. Uh, Apologies to my British friends. Uh... So, he also, in this second visit, makes a drawing and is like, so there's one more thing I need my people to acquire. It's not a what, it's a who. And he slides over his drawing of Olivia Dunham. David Robert Jones, for some reason, wants Olivia Dunham. Now, let's move over to NASA, to, to Nassive, what? To Massive Dynamic, or Nassive Dynam, Dynamic, or whatever, I, I don't know. I was trying to swap an N and an M, and I just flubbed my flub. Great, awesome. Flub within a flub. Flubception. Anyway, moving over to Massive Dynamic, uh, Nina Sharp and her team are still uh, investigating the body of John Scott. Now, apparently what they're trying to do is go through his memories. But because this dude's been dead for quite a while now, uh, they're continuing to lose access. They're continuing to lose access, lose access, lose access. Uh, the electrical impulses are fading and fading and fading and fading faster and faster and faster. And they're losing access to the memories that they need the most for whatever reason. Nina Sharp talks about how they're racing against, quote-unquote, highly motivated individuals. So, Massive Dynamics got a beef with someone. And that someone, they have an edge over them with John Scott, apparently, that they're slowly losing. 
But eventually they figure out that, wait a minute, John Scott's, like, last memory was from Olivia Dunham. So they found out that, like, John Scott and Olivia Dunham have shared consciousnesses, and the key to John Scott's memories, maybe the memories they need, lies within Olivia Dunham. Now that those subplots have been laid out, let's talk about what the hell Loeb is doing. When we talk about a field, we examine this area. And there's a field, uh, off an abandoned airstrip. And the field is called Little Hill. For those of you who don't remember, Little Hill is the answer to the question, where does the gentleman live? Answered by our dead guy from way back when, to David Robert Jones. An answer, an answer which Loeb's wife heard, intercepted, and relayed to Loeb himself. All of this is connected. It is all going back to David Robert Jones, unsurprisingly. And not long after this, Walter remembers what the hell was in those safety deposit boxes. After Peter does his little coin tricks, Walter remembers. Peter nearly died when he was a boy. And it caused, like, a whole thing in the family. Like, Peter had this rare disease that the doctors couldn't figure out. Uh, Peter's mother was beside herself, and Walter was worse, consumed with finding a cure. And eventually, he came across a doctor, the only person to successfully deal with this disease. But that doctor was long dead. So Walter created a device to travel through time and pluck this doctor and take him into the present so that this dude could cure Peter's illness. Now, it never was tested because by the time he completed it, it was... the disease went better. The disease was fine, uh, Peter got better, and everything was good. But... That device still remained, and Walter hid it away. But theoretically, it could pluck anyone from anywhere in the world. And bring them to Little Hill Field. Remember those items that David Robert Jones asked his lawyer to acquire? And remember how David Robert Jones was very adamant that his lawyer wear a nice suit? Well, next time his lawyer shows up, David Robert Jones murders him takes his suit, puts on his watch, 
takes the Dremamine, the eye drops, puts on the Sundan lotion, and stands in the corner of his room. So that Loeb can go into Little fi- Hillfield, set up this machine, and teleport him halfway across the world, out of his prison cell, and right into the middle of the states. As Olivia Dunham, racing over to Little Hill Field, is captured by some of David Robert Jones's men for we still don't know why. So David Robert Jones is out. He is among the world. He is among the world of the free and not in German prison. Olivia Dunham is in his clutches. No one knows where she is. Broyles gives a very accusatory call to Nina Sharp saying, hey, if I find out you had anything to do with it, and Nina's like, no, 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 Broyles, Broyles, I didn't do this. I swear to God I didn't do this. This is not a thing that that I was involved in. That's suspicious timing with the whole we need Olivia Dunham, and then David Robert Jones immediately is like, I need Olivia Dunham, but whatever. So, something's happening there. Something's happening with Olivia Dunham. We don't know why David Robert Jones wants her. Maybe it's uh, from the Massive Dynamic thing. Maybe Massive Dynamic is just one giant red herring and David Robert Jones wants her for completely different reasons. We don't know. We just know David Robert Jones has Olivia Dunham in his clutches. For some reason. And that's the episode. There's so much I want to say. There's so many thoughts coming to my mind. I want to say none of them. (laughs) I want to give not a single thought. Suffice it to say, uh, things have taken a turn. And the way that turn resolves itself is... Something. It's something. We'll talk about it over the next couple weeks. At length. Trust me. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in. As well, it's as simple as just to press a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I can get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Uh, update on September's edition of the Television Archive Supplemental, so... The initial idea I had for September's show, the initial premise for September's show that I said wasn't going to come until, like, later, later in the month, uh, I did the math on the ridiculous number of events I have to do in September. Star Trek Day, DC Fandom Explore the Multiverse, RTX at Home especially, which takes, like, a full 10 days. I did the math, and with all of that, and all the other work I have to do for all the other podcasts, uh, it's literally impossible for me to get that in by the end of September. So I kind of switched around the schedule. It was actually kind of funny. Last night, I literally went into my Television Archive supplemental calendar and was like, okay, of all the things currently on the calendar, 
which one will take the least amount of time? <laughs> which one will have the least amount of prep time attached to it? And I put that on to this month. So, uh, I'm going to be doing that later tonight. It'll go up tonight or tomorrow. Uh, it'll be an Emmy's history of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. So, look forward to that if you are a patron at patreon.com slash thomasclark. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. On Monday, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 11. Talk to you then.